Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Outdoor PM School podcast, where we explore product management careers in the outdoor industry. We talk with PMs from top outdoor industry brands and ask them about their career path, what it's really like to be a PM, and any advice they would give others aspiring to follow the same path. My name is Dawson Westensko, and I'll be your host. During episode 11, I talk with Tim Beck, the global category manager of technical equipment at the North Face. After college, Tim set a goal to work outdoors for 12 months. He spent over a year leading multi-week backpacking and kayaking trips in Minnesota before focusing on his next goal, to get involved in the world of outdoor product. He got his break as a product line coordinator at the North Face and has spent the last five years helping create the North Face's most technical equipment. This episode is brought to you by Betagraph Consulting, a fractional product management and sustainability consulting group based in Bozeman, Montana. Check out betagraph.co to learn more. Hey Tim, how's it going today? Hey Dawson, great. How about yourself? Awesome. I'm excited to have you here. Let's just start with you walking us through how you got into the industry and product management. Sure. So currently my title is the Global Category Manager of Technical Equipment at the North Face. But my path truly began, I mean, really as a kid. My parents, we didn't have much TV in our house and always pushed us to get outside, whether that was in a little tree house in our backyard or playing hide and seek in the neighborhood and growing up, going to Yosemite Valley you know, every summer right after we got out of school for two weeks. Um, and then it just kind of continued from there, uh, spending time outside throughout high school with friends and in college, jumping out to Joshua Tree and some hot springs near our, our school in Southern California. And always knew that I loved exploring new places and, and getting people outside and showing my friends some new places that I'm finding. And you know, eventually, as I grew older, started to tune that into, you know, what would this mean in, in a career, like with the driving mission of trying to get people outside. Um, uh, I'll be honest and say that I'm very fortunate and lucky on my path and how it ended up working out um, to, to work for a brand as great as the North Face and a parent company like VF. I, I feel very fortunate and feel like I kind of fell into it by by just spending a lot of time outside in, in many different capacities, both professionally and personally. One thing that I've definitely seen with product management is it seems to be something that people, I don't want to say fall into because I'm sure that there were very intentional steps that you took along the way, but I definitely see that people come at it from many, many different angles, right? And, totally. uh, and, and what a great way to end up in product management by spending a lot of time outside and really being authentic in the activity and really getting in the outdoors. So that's, that's amazing. Grew up in California. Uh, and then maybe you could talk a little bit more about the direction that you headed in, in university or college or that initial jobs you took and how that eventually led into this specific role with the North Face. Yeah, absolutely. So I went to school in Southern California at a school called Whittier College. It's a small liberal arts school uh, where I studied business with a Spanish minor and traveled the world a lot throughout that time, spent some time studying abroad, which was awesome. And upon graduating, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew the things that I liked to do. Growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, Oakland to be exact, I spent a lot of time in Tahoe as a kid growing up, both in summer and winter. And I always remember sitting on my couch after having just graduated from college, thinking about not what I wanted to do, but where I wanted to be. 
whether that's the right or wrong, wrong approach doesn't really matter. But I knew where I wanted to be at the time was Tahoe. Um, so I moved to Truckee to this awesome little house on the river in downtown with five roommates who are all big outdoors advocates and more or less uh, work some dead end jobs just so I could climb and ski uh, and mountain bike, like kind of like the classic ski bum lifestyle. I, I worked in hotels for a little bit. I worked in uh, this real estate company for a little bit, all kind of spinning my wheels in the professional world. While after work and before work and at lunch, we were getting out on mountain bike rides and going up climbing on Donner Summit. And that was really what it was all about for me at that time was was the uh, the pleasure in recreating outside. Eventually, I grew a little tired of that uh, and just wanted a little bit more for myself and, and for my career, especially. Uh, at the time, one of my best friends in the world was working for the Voyager Outward Bound School in Ely, Minnesota, so pretty much up on the Canadian border, leading 28 to 50-day canoe expeditions and sea kayaking expeditions on Lake Superior. So him and I kind of sat down and just chatted about what his experience there was. And so I, I ended up applying for a role there. And, you know, my initial goal is to work outside professionally for 12 months. So I went to Minnesota as total wake up call being a California kid. You know, there's there's not many tall peaks out there, but it was a. Uh, it was one of the most fulfilling experiences of my life working for Outward Bound, you know, working with at-risk youth, again, leading these long expeditions, really working on soft skills, life at home, intercommunication between one another, especially when upset and when things aren't going your way and it's dumping rain or lightning all over the place. And so, you know, I never thought I would move to Minnesota. I never thought I would move back to Minnesota after leaving there. So I did a couple seasons out in Ely, kind of sandwiched with ski patrolling out in Vermont. Accomplished that initial goal of working outside professionally for 12 months. I did it for two years, which was just absolutely incredible. But I always knew I wanted to move back to the Bay Area. At the time, my sister-in-law was pregnant with my nephew. My family was there. I was a little older than most Outward Bound instructors at the time as well. So I started there when I was 25 or 26 and started looking at brands in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. I knew, you know, the North Face was there, Mountain Hardware was there, a lot of great brands and started mm -hmm. kind of putting my name in the hat. And, you know, my first job at the North Face was the product line coordinator position for the Summit Series, um, which at the time I didn't even know what that meant. You know, I'd never worked in product management um, had never worked for a big corporation or a big brand or a corporation at all, regardless of the size. So I'll always remember it was November 11th, the day my nephew was born. I was sitting on the couch. I just got the call that he was born. So, you know, I was sitting there like kind of tears in my eyes. And then I get another call from a number that I didn't recognize. And it was the North Face calling to offer me that initial product line coordinator position, which that day will always stand out in my memory. Is and it was like best day ever. Oh my god! Yeah, I was like sobbing. You know, my aunt walked in, and she's like, "Oh my god, what's the matter?" And I'm like, oh, "Patrick was born, and I just got a job." And oh, I'm an job. uncle. This is amazing. Yeah, like, I'm just gonna let you be. Like, here's a hug. Like, you celebrate. You know, <laughs> that's funny. So what? So that job at the North Face. You know, a lot of times that first that first kind of foot in the door is the hardest is the hardest one for anybody. Right. And so yeah. tell me more about that. What was that like? Was it just a standard, did you apply online and get an interview or was it connections or network or was it, you know, how did that work for you? You know, it was honestly going back to like me feeling so lucky and fortunate about it all. Um, my resume at the time was 
built in many years in Truckee, California, and then a couple years of working professionally outside, uh, both in first responding as a ski patroller and instructing outward bound. And I got really lucky. My hiring manager, who's actually still my boss to date, he really values uh, knowing the consumer and knowing the outdoors and knowing the activities and a passion for that too. So I think that kind of came through on my resume in a way that, you know, other hiring managers may look for many different skill sets. Um, you know, and I'll always remember our first conversation. We didn't talk at all about the role. All we talked about was climbing and skiing and mountain biking. You know, it's like all my favorite things to talk about. And so I'll always remember standing in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota having that conversation. It's like, I don't know if this is going well or not, but like we haven't <laughs> talked about work once and all we're talking right. about is climbing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so mm-hmm. honestly, I was uh, very lucky with his value set and bringing me in the door and, and it kind of being a, a good match in that way. Did you know him before applying or you just got to know him through that application process and you just applied online, but he recognized that like unique resume that you had? Honestly, it was just applying online and kind of putting my name in the hat and Again, it yeah, was that's cool. Important. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I and I think it's interesting. It's because again, it's easy to say words like fortunate and then make it sound like it's luck, right? But mm-hmm. I, you know, I I hear, but I hear your story, and and there's a couple things that I hear that are I think critical, right? Like one of the cool things you mentioned is you had this goal of working outside for a year, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a cool goal, and I think that story is totally different than going to a hiring manager and saying, yeah, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And so I knew somebody that, you know what I mean? Like I, I love the backpack. And so I followed my buddy up in Minnesota, like having that. And again, whether that, uh, I think regardless of how that actually rolled out in your life, I think it's really important for yourself and then how you present yourself to others, right? You have a plan. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the things I was thinking about, you know, before you and I began this conversation, you know, if I'm to think about advice for other people in in looking to be an outdoor product manager, it's about that passion, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you can teach skill sets for anything, you know, some are obviously going to be more challenging than others, depending on how everyone's brain works, but you can't light a fire under somebody like that person has to be passionate and that's a guiding principle. You know, I think for many people that I work with in the outdoors too, it's a lot of passion. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And and showing passion and showing goal orientation and showing like having a plan around your life. Cause again, your plan was, Hey, I love this. I'm passionate about this. This is the time in my life when I can do this. I want to work outside for, for a year and that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to take the next step in the evolution of my career. Right. And that's like a story that I think shows, right. Like it shows a certain amount of understanding of your personal goals and of your, like where you want to head in life. And, and, and again, it shows that passion. Uh, And one of the things I think that's interesting is you can't, underestimate having a resume that's like slightly different than everybody else. Mm -hmm. As long as you tell, again, as long as you can tell your story and pull those things out that really like differentiate you and you can say, Hey, listen, like, yeah, I did this, uh, you know, I did this guiding, right. And this is what I learned. And these are really the very applicable things to product management or to product in general, or to, you know, again, you're, you're able to tell the story. I'm really passionate. I know the customer, I know the activity and like pulling out what's relevant for you, I think is, you know, it's clear that you did that or you wouldn't have had that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. 
So you got that first gig. And again, that was the product coordinator. Correct. Yeah. At the time for the summit series team at the North face, kind of our people yeah. apparel for mountaineering. Yeah. Yeah. What a great uh, first category and first product line to, to get your break in. That's amazing. So from there, was that, again, maybe you could just describe that a little bit product coordinator role. I've heard be a little bit more development oriented or a little bit more product management or a little, maybe you could describe what did that entail? Sure. For us, um, that role is very much uh, a product management role and calendar management and keeping everybody on track and ensuring that the foundation of the way that the team is operating is in sync. There's a big data element to it as well, like the UPC stickers that end up on the back of a hang tag, you know, come from this role. And, you know, there's a lot of some of the more nuts and bolts, I would say. The product line coordinator at the North Face is really responsible for Again, it's a little bit more of that operational stuff. And when you're talking about data management, you're talking about things like maybe tech pack coordination or, you know, PLM software, like product dats, like those types of things is a big part of the job. Exactly. There is also a unique factor in this specific role. The team that I worked on was the smallest product team at the North Face by far. So we didn't actually even have a product manager at the time. We reported directly into a senior director, and it was myself, a designer, and a developer. And the challenge from our director, again, my hiring manager, Andy, he was, if this was your own brand and your own company, how would you run it? Like very entrepreneurial, where some of the larger teams um, have had a lot more structure in place at the time and, and still do. But that was a unique factor about it. I remember meeting with other PLCs at the North Face and being like, oh my God, like I just went and met with Pete Athens and climbed Mount Rainier to do product testing. And we're going to build that into a marketing campaign and all of this and that. And they were like, what? Like, where is that opportunity coming from? And it was really scrappy and really fun and fast paced and, and really unique at the time for the PLC role you know, within that brand. So. Yeah, that's cool. And it, it somewhat reminds me of my first foray into product management in the outdoor industry, which for me was a Thule and had to do with launching this cell phone and laptop and tablet case market. Sure. And so it was similar in that, again, it's a big organization, but this was a very small team launching a brand new product. And so again, very entrepreneurial. I think any product manager who has an opportunity to have that more soup to nuts experience is it's it's a really unique opportunity and the learning i think that i know that i had during that time was amazing right and 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 so i mean have you experienced that as well oh i mean you learn lessons that like you didn't even know existed especially when i was new to product it was you know pretty overwhelming to be totally honest there's a lot to learn you know i can think about feature sets and i can think about use case and all that but calendars and supply chain and how all that is adding up together and actually hitting deliveries at the end of the day. And it was, uh, you know, in a, in a very positive way, uh, overwhelming at the least, I would say, as I worked to get my feet underneath me and, and understand the bigger picture of how we were operating and, and Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And what was, as you got into that role and maybe you've already answered this question, but what was that first six months like? Like, what was any big surprises where you said, man, I had no idea that this was part of Make It Product. I did not see this coming. It's, oh, man, so many learnings. Every day was learning a new process or about a new type of fabric and understanding the differences between nylons and polyesters. And 
it was fast paced and you know at the end of the six months I, I guess maybe based on how I learn I still didn't feel like I was up to speed you know it was like I started to understand how much I didn't know really mm -hmm. at that point you know and it was like cool like survived the first six months now I see what is to come over the next year year and a half as I as I look to grow in my career and hopefully promote and yeah all over the place quite honestly <laughs> That's a great point. And I think one of the things I've learned, you see other people sort of get into product management and you go yourself into different companies and different types of roles is that I think you should expect for this first six months of your first PM job to be pretty overwhelming yeah, <laughs> and that that's, and that that's not different. That's not unexpected. Like that's part of learning and going through that process, probably more so than with other types of jobs, I would think. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then I think the other part to that is you also have to accept that you never are going to be done learning with the role. At least that's what I've seen is that, you know, yeah. like you said, you sort of learned, you got your feet underneath you, but then your eyes were open to a whole different world. And it was like, Oh man, there's a lot more to learn. And it is a continuous learning process, right? Which I, which I love and attracts me about the role personally. Totally. And I think you hit the nail on the head as well. And in, in the difference that a specific job can be in many different brands. Now, I can only say that having worked for the North Face, but I've been on multiple teams in the North Face. And the North Face is a very large company, about 500 people at headquarters. So, you know, you know, it's funny, after that first six months, the oper the way that our team was structured and operated changed completely. And we were absorbed the three of us into what it was called at the time, the mountain sports team. So really pretty much any piece of hiking or climbing that's non-pinnacle product, you know, down jackets, fleeces, et cetera, were owned by this team. And the business of this team and the structure of this team was much larger and operated completely different. So the product line coordinator role on month seven was very different than I had on month six. And it was learning pretty much what felt like a whole new team and you know, almost a new process and brand at, at some points and very eye-opening to the structure of a larger team compared to the nimbleness and scrappiness, if you will, of a three-person or four-person team. And I, mm -hmm. I imagine that that translates across brands as well. Yeah. And I think for me, the biggest difference that I've seen between like in, in the role itself, because you start to see a lot of patterns as far as similar size companies, they have similar problems and, sim and similar challenges, not problems, but similar challenges that they're dealing with in their process and in how they look at product and how they plan and how they do strategy. It's very, it's more similar across companies of the same size than it is across you know, the same category, but a totally different type of company, like, like a footwear company that like a, a $200 million footwear company is going to be vastly different from a $50 million footwear company, but a $50 million footwear company is going to be real similar to a backpacking, uh, you know, a backpack $50 million company, or um, when it comes to product management, at least that's been, that's been my experience. But again, even within those teams, like you said, they run totally differently and it's more similar to how it would run on a, potentially at a, at a smaller brand. Yeah. Um, so, so how long again, so you sort of switched teams. There was a big change uh, month, seven, month six to month seven. And then what was the transition for you into the next evolution at, at the North face? Sure. So at the time I was in soft goods on the apparel team and always knew that my passion lied in tents, sleeping bags and technical packs. 
So I was very close with that team. It's a team I'm currently on right now, but always had my eye open on positions on that team. And again, my hiring manager was at the time, the senior director of that team, now the vice president of that team. And so, you know, I worked in on the apparel side of things for, you know, just over a year with the goal to come back, even if it was a lateral move back into what we call hard goods at the North Face, um, obviously varies within the industry, but tent sleeping bags, packs and uh, all of our day packs and duffels and that kind of stuff as well. So I had the opportunity to switch back, actually a lateral move as the product line coordinator to the equipment team, uh, work with a lot of my close friends, people that I call my family at the North Face, and apply all the learnings that I had taken from the apparel world to the equipment world as well, and and really begin to take on a new knowledge set about the tent industry and the sleeping bag industry. And yeah, so that was more or less that next shift in setting myself up, hopefully for the next promotion, which then came about, I guess, 10 or 11 months later into my current role. So, Yeah, and I think what you just laid out is uh, is also, I think, really important and under undervalued sometimes is that, number one, you networked internally with the team that you knew you wanted to be on and that you had done the pro- like gone through the process yourself of saying, like, yeah, this is really – this is the, this is the mid step for me. Like apparel is a, is a way in, and then I'm going to move into where I really want to be, which is gear. And I'm going to network so that I have a good group of people in the opportunity. Like all of those things I think are, again, that's like a really common theme. I think with people who get into the type of role that you're in now, right? Like that's yeah. sort of what it takes is that forethought and, and planning and kind of strategically thinking through your, you know, how you want to work right in your career. Totally. And, there was definitely some moments of being like, ah, oh, man, I know I'm sacrificing the ability to move up in the short term for the right position in the long term. Um, you know, the PLC role I was in for a little over three years, which is actually pretty long time by North Face standards. And so there's also this almost a second guessing. I'd look around and see other of my peers, you know, promoting into specific roles while I knew that I was going to take a longer route. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it felt like the right route, you know, looking back mm-hmm. and I, I was always sure of it. I'll be at times when I was like, ah, oh, I'm not ready for that next step, you know, but um, ensuring that that next step brought me to the place that I wanted to be uh, that I was certain of was important to me in, in making that sacrifice. So. Mm-hmm. It's easy to feel like six months or 12 months is a really long time when you're in the moment. And, oh man, I, why I, I could have been promoted six months ago. And maybe that feels long, but in the long term, it's not very long, right? <laughs> like in the, yeah. in, the, in the moment it feels long, but you, like you said, once you kind of have a path that you want to follow six or 12 months, a couple of years, isn't really going to in the long term really slow you down much one way or the other. Right. Which I, I think totally is, it's good to remember that. Totally. So what was the biggest jump as you moved from that product line coordinator and was it into, was it product management or was it category management or what was that, that, that role was called at the time product manager for technical equipment, which oversees our tent sleeping bag and technical pack business. There was a title change in there. Hence why I'm now called a category manager. Um, but in function and daily practice, the role of the job didn't change with that title change. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the toughest part, honestly, one, there's a lot of stress that came with it of like, okay, now it's real and I'm owning this business and I need to be setting the strategy 
And there's so much to learn again in that role. I mean, like you mentioned, the first six months in product, it felt like the first six months in product management too was so much to learn. One of the things that I'd say was the biggest challenge was feeling like I always had to be on and I had to be present in every single meeting and every phone call and not delegating much. And at the time we were still hiring a product line coordinator. So there was still the PLC duties. And I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges was learning to be selfish and make some time for myself to actually get out of the weeds and think about the big picture and take even a couple days to work whether that's on product briefs or get out and meet with focus groups or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. um, understanding that that was okay, you know, and that I didn't always, always have to be there and understanding how to prioritize, uh, especially with new responsibilities. And I think in the PLC role, it was important to prioritize. It's one of the most crucial skills that I think in the product management world you need to have in the PLC role. And then the PM role, it's a whole new set of prioritization. So learning how to work through that on my own uh, was definitely eye-opening and also a great challenge for me. So. Yeah, that's a great call out. And I think with the, with the prioritization discussion, a big part of that is that you're never done as a product manager. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Right. Like there's always more or different work that you can be doing. And so I think it takes a little while and people that burn out of product management, I think don't learn that lesson because they sort of feel like I have to be running at the same pace all the time. And I think Mm -hmm. as you get into the role and as you get good mentors and kind of see how people are successful, you have to do the most important things. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean the most urgent things. It means Mm -hmm. how do you prioritize those things correctly, but there's always more to do. Yep. Right. And so you have, so you have to choose yourself and you have to be able to do that prioritization. I I totally agree that that is such an important skill and the most successful people in product have to be able to do that extremely well. Um, which is, which can be really tough to do when there's a lot of urgent things to Mm -hmm. right. One of the things that I'd make a note there of is the work is demanding in different ways at different times of the year and on different times of the day, really. And Mm -hmm. some of that work can be draining and constant calls and keeping up with people, account management, et cetera. Uh, Or maybe there's an like fire drill or issue with data that's causing some downstream effects. But then there's also the, the really proactive fun, like digging into market data, digging into global trends, working with hikers on what they Mm -hmm. want in a hiking backpack, you know, like while there's a lot of work, some is incredibly fulfilling and exciting and rewarding. And some naturally, like in any role, I imagine is going to be a little bit more tedious and mm-hmm. digging through what happened to correct, to right the wrongs or whatever it is. So ensuring that you're placing efforts in the right types of work at the right places helps that balance as well. So for you, what is your favorite part of being a product manager, being a category manager? It's awesome. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I was thinking about this before this call. The people, really. I mean, our internal team are some of my closest friends. And like I mentioned before, I call them family. People that I spend time with outside of work, climbing and at work, working on projects. Um, And then also, like, we work with our athlete team very closely. And that's some of the most inspiring work and conversations I have with you know, some of these legendary athletes, but also some of these up and coming rippers who are trying so hard and like building out amazing expedition plans. It's, it's really cool to see. Honestly, like I'd say the best part of the job is 
testing, product testing, and and whether that's like with our internal team here in, in Golden or Boulder up in the Flatirons or Boulder Canyon sport climbing or traveling, you know, traveling to meet with athletes or traveling on part of an expedition, whatever that may be. I think when I look back at my favorite memories, it's it's those for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, working with athletes and, and that's going to vary by brand, right? Obviously, TNF has you know, some of the most amazing athletes in the industry. And so that's a really unique and cool part of being a part of that family, which I think is, I'm sure is a lot of fun. Um, So what is the, what is the part of the job that you would say is your least favorite? The fire drills for sure. I think it was in Avant Chouinard's how I built this. Have you listened to that? I have. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And he's got that point. He's like, I'm on a fishing trip for X amount of months a year. And Somebody calls me and, and the factory is burning down. He's like, well, why are you calling me? There's nothing I can do about it. You know, call the <laughs> fire department, which like it's a hilarious example. But the longer you work in product management, the more that you realize that that is actually a probably a real example. You know, like <laughs> it's literally a real example. Yeah, I've, exactly. I've actually I've gotten that phone call myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you'll wake up in the morning and be like, the factory's closing down for a month because of tropical storms. Like, oh my God, you know, like one, you hope everyone's okay. Two, you're like, oh man, there's gonna be a lot of people that are unhappy with me now. Uh, and that's an extreme example, right? But there's always like a tiny little thing popping up here and there almost on a daily basis. It's like, Hey, we may have overlooked that, you know, what are your thoughts here? How do we best move forward and course correct? And And that's what I was going to ask, because I'm sure that you and I could share a lot of war stories from our past, but for people who aren't in it every day, what are some of those fire drills? Like what are some of these things that you would never think of as, and I'll start, I'll give you one, just give you a second to, to respond to that question. But I, I can remember very vividly a product that I worked on at Thule. It was a laptop case mm-hmm. and it was a, it was a molded product. It allowed you to drop a laptop from three feet and the laptop wouldn't get damaged. And so it was, it was a project that was extremely quick. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like six months. Wow. It was molded product, so the tooling was upwards of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars without giving an exact quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also hardware that changes every 24 months, mm-hmm. right? So t- totally new category. And I can remember being there to oversee the first production run. And without going into the details, there was a design issue that it's the type of design issue where if it would have been a two year project or an 18 month project, you would have caught it. But because of how we had to manage the, the speed to market, uh, it was missed. And I literally remember sitting in this hotel in Hong Kong and thinking, Oh my gosh, we have hundreds of thousands of dollars of product that we can't sell. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars of tooling that we can't use. Like I'm finished. Yeah. And we just sat down, calm, collected, my manager at the time, amazing mentor. We worked our way through it. We figured out a way to actually rework the product and then to adjust the tooling and we solved it and we fixed it. 
and delivered the product and sold it. And there's a, there's a change in the product that no one would ever notice in the market. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, and it costs, you know, it probably costs $30,000 to fix the problem and $30,000 problems are okay. Uh, yep. Half a million dollar problems are not okay. Right. And so, but, but that for me, that was a massive learning because I remember, I remember feeling like it's just, it's just constant fire drills, right? There's always okay. things going wrong, but I think I came out of that experience and I learned from my, my boss at the time that there will always be those issues coming up inevitably. Yep. And if you're going to survive in product, you have to be the one that keeps your head and you have to be the one to say, okay, the factory's, the factory burned down. What are we going to do? How are we going to yep. solve it? Here's plan A, here's plan B, here's plan C, and this is how we're going to do it. Like that's what you have to be able to do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. So now I'd love, to, I'd love to hear a war story or two of yours. Oh, yeah. I love a good success story, by the way. I'm happy to have <laughs> up for you guys. I guess I would share two, and they're of completely different scales to show how something can totally change in product management. And the first is quite literally, we lost a factory. And I won't get into details how, but instantly we have a very large tent business at the North Face, and one of our factories is gone. And so it's just the contingency plan of how do you recover from that, especially late into a season and how does the team get together and hold hands and be like, yeah, this really sucks, but what are steps A, B, and C that we need to take? And, you know, we work with a team, a sourcing office over in Asia. So on the phone with them in the evenings, which is their morning on some late night calls and early morning calls with Europe, trying to figure it all out and eventually got there and delivered the entire season on time, which was amazing with you know, North Face quality product, but it was something where you're like, hey, it's a kind of a calm time of year. I'm going to try and get ahead of this and get ahead of this. And then all of a sudden you wake up to an email that's like, hey, we need to talk. Oh man, cheers to my team for for kind of recovering on that one. Um, and that's that's a grand scale, right? Like it's not often that a factory goes down. And a- it happens, but it, defi- it definitely happens for lots of different reasons. Exactly. Many different reasons. Um, And one small one, right, is like down to this is a a mistake that I made as a product line coordinator. And you enter a price wrong in the system season over season, then it changes everything downstream. And at the North Face, we have a very large day pack business. You think about like the Borealis, you know, you walk around campuses everywhere in middle schools and it's everywhere. And putting in a 89.95 89.95 versus an 89.99 all of a sudden means that over two years you have different pricing and mixed inventory across the board. And there are many, many, many thousands of units out there. And accounts are like, hey, this is totally screwing up all of our accounting systems. The pricing is different. When we buy X amount, it has a much larger scale of change, you know, in our books. What's going on here? And all of a sudden, one like four cents and you're changing you're spending tons of money to reticket everything and change everything mm-hmm. in the system back to this and just one tiny little overlook amongst you know 300 prices in our system and and it's a week two weeks of work that it takes up your time and something so small you know but yeah and you're so you're so much the pivot point between all these different parts of the business that to your point when that happens and there's inevitably hundreds of issues that you can either of us could recount about either pricing or a quality issue on a piece of packaging or verbiage change or a language requirement or just something that changed that that it's just the downstream effect of 
knowing and having to coordinate all those different details. And again, that's a challenge. It's also kind of fun as you get better at it, you know, yeah. and it's, and it's a fun, I think it's a really, it's such a valuable skill to be able to keep your head in the midst of chaos. And I do think product management teaches you that inevitably. And so much of it too, at those times, depending on who that workload falls into is about team culture as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, is this going to be a positive experience where we work together and learn from it? Or is this going to make people mad at each other? And right. yeah, that can make all the difference, you know, of course mm-hmm. on a daily basis with work, but especially in some of those moments of urgency and stress that mm-hmm. totally change the experience for everyone. Mm-hmm. As you look back at your career, you know, you've mentioned that you've worked on some really pinnacle product in the industry. What are one or two of the products that you're the most proud of or the projects that you look back at and were really fulfilling for one reason or another? This is maybe a generic answer that isn't going to sound great, but it's the product that I see out on the trail or that I see in the campsite, you know, that I had a hand in to see that there is somebody out enjoying you know, say a tent that our team designed and worked on and brought to market. And that is enabling an an experience for that person. Like there's all these big, sexy products that are like, oh, I worked on this, you know, incredibly light, fully recycled Alpine tent. That's amazing. You know, and like those stand out in my mind and is always like, you know, you see these big marketing images or photos of Everest base camp and you're like, cool, we had a hand in that. And that means the world to me. Um, but it's just as valuable when I'm at like a local state park campground and somebody's using a storm break or a Wawona, which are two of our best selling tents. And it's like, they're getting their family outside. And those are, those are the moments that I always look back on as a kid. And the reason why I'm, I'm where I am that make it all kind of come around and feel truly fulfilling in many different ways. So. So true. And I think that if you, as a professional, if you can't get excited by seeing product that you've worked on in the market, then you're in the wrong business, right? Like, or you're you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong role because even, you know, you mentioned those basic products. It's like even seeing a product that maybe the only thing you had is you lobbied really hard for a specific color, Mm -hmm. right? And then you see that color and you're like, yes, yeah. yeah, Like that person gets it right. Like he, like they chose the color that I thought based on my experience was going to resonate with people for whatever reason. Right. And, and someone bought it, someone found it. Right. Like it's amazing. Yep. Exactly, man. And it's so funny too. Cause like, you know, I think about this question. I'm like, I should be saying like the VE 25 because they, allows for successful Antarctica expeditions or whatever, but it's really like, so long as it's out there, I'm really proud and fulfilled of our team. And that's why we all do it is really to get people outside. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And you're always going to sell way more of that, you know, entry level tent than you are of the pinnacle product that allows, like you said, the Antarctic expeditions. Um, And so you're, it's, it's just the, the impact on more people is just massive. Right. Which is really fun and cool to see. Exactly. Yeah. I've never been to Antarctica, so I'll never see a V25 <laughs> there. So <laughs> maybe someday, maybe someday. Yeah, right. But not, not on the, not on the usual weekend trips. Right. So, yeah, exactly. uh, so, so you already mentioned a few things that you thought were really important to being a, a good product manager, but any others that jump out at you as like, Hey, what's the one skill? What's the one thing you would tell people to focus on or think about? I think the priority is, understanding the big picture at the end of the day and that being like a three to five year big picture and 
and relating that into everything that you're doing. You know, it, it can truly be a guiding principle if you and your team know the goal, like what is your team's strategy for the next three years? It truly helps guide a lot of decisions because you know who you are. Um, so taking a moment to step back, like if you're writing a product brief, knowing, you know, and envisioning that from point A to all the way through when it's selling through at retail, you know, how is this going to look at REI? How is this going to look on backcountry.com or in our own North Face D2C stores or direct to consumer? Having that vision and making sure that you take the time to step back and remember that vision. As, as you and I just talked about, it's easy to get down in the weeds. Like if there's a pricing error and all of a sudden you're spending a week trying to, to re-sticker packs in, in your distribution center, like it's really easy to get down in the thick of things. But making mm-hmm. sure you take a step back, take a moment, a deep breath, and making sure that your teams are working towards the common goal that is your three to five to 10-year strategy, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Are there any books you would recommend to anybody who's interested in product management or any books that have influenced you? You know, that's a great question. I personally am not a big reader, but I there's a couple of guiding books that got me very excited about working in the outdoor industry. Um, One of the first ones that comes to mind is Raising the Bar by Gary Erickson. Um, Hmm. Have you had a chance to read that? I have not. Okay. So it's not product management specific, but it's the story of Cliff Bar. And Gary, throughout each business lesson, ties it to a metaphor that he's learned in his outdoor pursuits, whether that be climbing or bike touring through Europe and and relates it in a, a very authentic way, his guiding principles in business. Uh, and it's a fascinating read. There's lots of ups and downs throughout it, but ultimately it, it gets it, it got me really excited, you know, about my, my passions and how to bring those to life in more of a professional setting. And that book came out at, at a great time for me as well. It was when I was still living in Tahoe and was one of those books that helped light the fire under me to like, there's bigger things to them than just being a ski bum, you know, like how do I want to make my impact on this world? And, and that book came at the perfect time for me. So I, I'd highly recommend that book to anybody that hasn't read it. Yeah, that's an awesome one. I, I just added it to my Amazon list. I'm, I always love hearing what had an impact for people and the way you just laid that out sounds like it's a really great read. So I will definitely uh, check that one out. Totally. So authentic. And, and that's the inspiring part. And like, I mean, you've spent so much time playing in the outdoors yourself, and I'm sure a lot of this will hit home for a lot of your listeners and the listeners to this podcast as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Any, anything as you look at any favorite apps that help you sort of manage the chaos or one thing, and I don't know if I actually can't think if I've talked about this or not for me, one of the things that was a little bit transformational for me is bullet journaling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I've, that has been the format that I've used as kind of my goal setting and, you know, task management and all those types of things. And that's been pretty transformational for me in, in product management is, is it for you, anything you'd recommend or people to look into or learn about that's helped you or been impactful for you? Yeah, sure. Um, I think a little less specific, like identifying one's way to keep track of the goal. Um, and there's many different ways that that fits in. But for me, I always have a running tally of you know bullets of things that I have to do. And as they appear on my to-do list, I'll set 
an exclamation point kind of level to the left of them. You know, one mm-hmm. exclamation point can probably wait till the end of the week or maybe even next week. Two is like end of week, this has got to get done. And, and anything with three exclamation points is getting done before I log out for the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, again, kind of going back to that prioritization and making sure, A, you know, it's on your, on your plate and B, how urgent all of those things are or not mm-hmm. at all. Quite honestly, some of those one exclamation points after three weeks will just fall off. You know, but it, it helps you identify where to put your efforts at different times. Um, along that same note is, you know, the guiding principle is the calendar and, and having a strong grasp on whatever product development calendar that is for your specific brand or your specific product line within your brand and understanding the intricacies that come with that, you know, is that deadline a three-week workload, you know, for our design team to actually build out tech packs? Is it, you know, just a quick little touch base? And then also looking a month or two ahead of time constantly to think about things that you can do to get ahead of, to set you and your team better up for success. Um, Mm -hmm. And really that forward thinking and that forward vision and and that true knowledge of the inner working of of a calendar, which Mm -hmm. takes a lot of time, right? But it's honestly like the number one, guiding principle. And then in terms of apps and things like that along the way, our team will always record via Microsoft 365, like OneNote, every single meeting note goes into there. So at any point, anybody that needs to know the product, the status of a project can go to the most recent meeting notes and get a full update as to what's happening mm-hmm. um, so that everybody has transparency and, and comes prepared. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Those are, uh, those are all, great pieces of advice. I'm curious, do you use a paper notebook? Do you use? Uh, I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yep. I still do. It's something that I can't get away from. Uh, now that we're working from home, I use a whiteboard. Um, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, the writing is the same content, but much larger, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've used both of those. One of I had a manager once who would have a three by five card every day. Okay. And that was the only way that he managed his to-do list. Sure. Essentially, essentially his daily to-do list because because yep. it's you're, it forces you to put like a smaller amount on there that you can actually accomplish in a day. Absolutely, uh, and, and I thought that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about finding what works for you, right? Like, and I've seen it all, you know. But uh, this is what works for me. It's kind of hard to steer myself away from paper. And there's something yeah. so satisfying about crossing something off on a to-do list, not just deleting it from from a Microsoft word or whatever it is. Right. And I think the most important thing is that the recognition that you need a system to be successful in that role. And so whatever your system is, there's lots of systems, but you, you need a system for how to manage it. Right. Exactly. And that's where mentors come in, you know, and working with other people and learning from other people and kind of showing that humility of like, Hey man, this isn't working for me. How how do you do it? You know? Mm -hmm. So, any advice you would give for people who are looking to get into product management uh, or product generally in the outdoor industry? Honestly, it kind of goes back. It's a little duplicative of what I mentioned earlier, but whatever that passion is of yours, keep it alive and keep fueling that. And, you know, it was funny. My, my buddy and I were texting earlier today about something totally different. And, and he's a founder of a startup right now. And his point was like, you do what you love every day, you'll never work a day in your life. And, and I like that quote, it's not totally applicable. Like sometimes I'm sure he has down days as well, but the whole idea of passion and 
allowing that to be your guiding principle, I think is absolutely key. You know, and I, I think I'm a little biased as well there and that my passion is what brought me to exactly where I am now. It wasn't mm-hmm. a specific program, you know, like an 18 month educational program learning how to do product management. It was the mm-hmm. fact that I just wanted to work and play outside. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what shines through, right? And and that's what makes maybe a potentially long night or early morning or long week or month uh, a little more easier to digest because you know that you're doing what you want to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very cool. That's great advice. So I just want to thank you for making the time today. It was really fun to learn more about your background. And I think there's a lot of super good information in here for people who are interested in following a similar path to what you've been able to accomplish. Where is the best place for people to kind of reach out to you online or? Professionally, LinkedIn would be the best. Tim Beck on uh, LinkedIn. Again, it That'd be the preferred. Um, and again, I, I also want to thank you, Dawson. This has been a great conversation and I appreciate you having me on and taking some time to learn a little bit about, about me as a person and, and my experience. It, it means a lot. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Uh, have a good rest of the day. We'll talk to you again soon. Totally. Take care, Dawson. Have a good one. This episode is brought to you by Outdoor PM School. Are you interested in a career in outdoor industry product management? Check out outdoorpmschool.com to learn more about how we help you.